Well, we're in a series called Unstuck, and uh, through these six weeks, we're seeing how Jesus sets us free from a variety of common struggles that uh, we all often face. Uh, last week, it was fear, and in the weeks to come, we'll see what Scripture says about anger, guilt, jealousy, and revenge. This morning, we are dealing with worry. Worry. It's interesting that uh, so many people worry about sharks when, uh, on average, less than one American dies each year from shark attack. Uh, the, the fact are, there are many other things that are far more likely to kill you than sharks. So let me alarm you just a bit. Uh, <laughs> vending machines are more than twice as deadly. Not from the unhealthy snacks, but from people getting crushed when the machine tips over. Three times more deadly than vending machines are fireworks. And this is what happens when people look into the tube wondering why the rocket didn't go off. <laughs> 25 times more likely is the possibility of getting killed by furniture in your own house. Every year, more than 25 people are crushed under their TV, their futon, dresser, or boxes of Christmas decorations. <laughs> and I read an article that... Uh, what is far more deadly than any of those things is a poor diet and lack of physical activity. And therefore, the article said, we should stop worrying about sharks and get off the couch and go for a swim. <laughs> the truth is that we worry about all kinds of things. Uh, some of these anxieties that we have are, have a basis in reality and others don't. But we can get stuck in worry just the same. So this morning, I want to focus on one classic passage of Scripture. Uh, this text of the Bible that shows us what worry is and how to get unstuck from it. I would recommend if you haven't already memorized this passage of Scripture, you should do so. It's a pretty familiar one. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So these verses help define what worry is and how Jesus sets us free. The opening line is pretty clear. Don't be anxious about anything. Well, this isn't written by some pot-smoking philosopher. Uh, God inspired these words. They come from the Apostle Paul, who at the very moment is writing these. He's sitting in a prison cell. He's locked in chains. He's surrounded by guards. He's awaiting trial for his possible execution. So if anybody had a right to worry, it's this guy. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. What kind of anxiety is he talking about? Well, this is a word that's used repeatedly by Jesus when Jesus also says, don't worry. Uh, and it means to have a divided mind. The, the Greek word uh, marimete that Paul uses here means to be acutely concerned about things. So your mind is divided about all these things that you're concerned about. And most of the time in the New Testament when marimete is used, it's a negative word. But several times it's also used in a positive sense. Because there are some things that we should be concerned about and uh, turn our mind toward. For instance, Paul used this same word for anxiety positively uh, earlier in this letter when he told the Philippians that he was going to send Timothy to them because Timothy was genuinely anxious about their welfare. So Timothy had the right kind of worry in that he thought about the interests of others. He was concerned about helping them with what they needed. 
And this kind of genuine concern is okay because it involves things over which you have primary responsibility and control. So this helps us to define the wrong kind of worry. How do you know when your anxiety is inappropriate? Well, you're worrying when you dwell on issues over which you take no responsibility or have no control. So when you focus on things over which you don't have responsibility and control, that is worry. In a sense, it means that your mind is in pieces. It's divided. So let me give you an example of the difference here. Uh, A number of years ago, Amy, my wife, had to pick up our youngest daughter from university and bring her home. Uh, She had to go alone. I had other responsibilities. I couldn't help her. That's probably one of her least favorite things to do, Amy, would be to drive on her own a long distance. It was 10 hours each way. Uh, and, And I took the car to get service. I filled up the tank. She had roadside assistance. She has credit cards, a cell phone, and at that point, a GPS separately. If I had spent a second thinking, well, what if her car breaks down? That would be worry. I had taken responsibility for what I could, and the rest was out of my control. If I'd spent a minute thinking, well, what if she has an accident? That would be worry. It's out of my control. So if you fail to take action over those things under your responsibility and control, then you're negligent. And the problem is that the majority of things we worry about are things we can't control. Uh, According to to one writer, uh, only 8% of the things we worry about are valid. 92% are out of our control in the past, imaginary or insignificant. And Paul is referring to the 92% when he says, don't be anxious about anything. So what do we do? about all that stuff that is out of our control in the past, imaginary or insignificant. Well, those are the things that divide our minds and cause anxiety. And Paul's answer is simple. Pray. Pray. You see, the reason we need things in our lives that are beyond our responsibility and control is so we will turn to God. That's the whole point. If we could control everything, take responsibility for everything, we we wouldn't turn to God. Because our human tendency is if we can't fix it ourselves, then we're going to worry about it. We naturally want to worry about things rather than pray about them. Jesus said, worry is futile because it won't make you an inch taller. It won't add even an hour to your life. Worry is powerless to save you. It doesn't change anything. And the antidote is prayer. And for some reason, we don't like that answer too often. A well-respected Christian counseling clinic gave this advice about worry-free living in a book called Worry-Free Living. Listen to it. We, and I'm quoting, we suggest setting aside 15 minutes in the morning and another 15 minutes in the evening for active worry. If concerns surface during other times of the day, the person should jot them down on a card and vow to deal with them during the designated period. Worry-free living involves confining the natural worry we all feel into a designated time slot of only 1% of a 12-hour day. This is utter hogwash. (laughs) Worst advice I've ever heard. Uh, The Bible is very clear that worry, excessive worry, is sin. And the solution is not to limit your sin into a time slot. Uh, It would would be like saying, well, I'm only going to hate my neighbor for 15 minutes. in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening. Don't schedule your sin. 
The Bible teaches that it's completely useless to worry about anything, but it is very effective to pray about everything. Nothing's too small or too obvious to bring to God. How do we do this? Well, Paul uses three terms here to tell us how. He says, do this by prayer. And that word for prayer is the general term for speaking to God. And what it includes are any set practices and times of prayer and worship. So when we gather and we pray, when you have a set time when you pray, uh, this is what's referring to. This means in the regular course of your day, as you worship God, bring your requests to him. Uh, The second word is petition. And that refers to specific requests for help. This is when your, your attitude is one of desperation. You're experiencing a sudden emergency. In crisis, cry out to God. And you do that uh, with thanksgiving, the third term here. That means whether you're in a time of joy or in crisis, be thankful. Be thankful before you even know the answer. Don't simply be grateful after you've gotten the answer. Gratitude is part of what it means to truly pray. Thank God in advance for whatever comes. With thanksgiving, you predetermine to be content with what God gives you. And it's knowing that he hears your prayer, and out of wisdom, his wisdom, and out of his love, he will do whatever is best for you, for his glory. So pray with thanksgiving. That's not the way to get what you want. Praying with thanksgiving is is the confidence that God gives you what you need when you need it. And so this is when we start to confront our real trouble. Because you think, well, I can't thank God before I know if things are going to turn out the way I want them to. (laughs) The real issue then is that you don't trust God to know what is best. I like what Tim Keller said. He said, constant worry is rooted in arrogance that assumes I know the way my life has to go and God's not getting it right. So when I worry instead of pray or pray and continue to worry anyway, then I'm blatantly distrusting God. When I know what should happen and God doesn't do it that way, it's easy to uh, lose confidence in him. And never forget that the greatest answer to, to this is seen in the death of Jesus. Jesus was adored by the people, largely. He taught incredible things like no one they'd ever heard before. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He loved the unlovely. He did miracles. And yet he was betrayed, arrested, unjustly convicted, and sentenced to death. And when Jesus told his disciples that this would happen, his number one guy, Peter, rebuked him. And Peter's prayer was, don't even think such a terrible thing. May it never happen. Be positive, Jesus. But it did. Jesus was beaten bloody. He was spit on. He was ridiculed and nailed to a cross, exposed and left to die, an agonizing death of of asphyxiation. Uh, It was horrific. Jesus himself screamed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And from all outward appearances, evil had triumphed. But in reality, God triumphed over evil at the cross. It was the victory God had planned from the foundation of the world. See, the cross is the greatest example of why I can trust God to accomplish what is best in my life. Because with the violent death of his only son, God the Father says, trust me, give your worries to me, leave your anxiety in my lap, and be thankful because I know what's best for you. And to the degree that you believe that, you will have peace. And some of you have trouble believing that God knows what's best for you because you don't believe that about anybody. You've experienced so many people who have manipulated you 
So many people who have betrayed you or abused you or disappointed you or taken advantage of you that it becomes so very hard to accept that God is at work for your good. So you're overwhelmed by worry. You're stuck. Philippians 4 says, bring everything to God. Every anxiety, confusion, concern belongs in his lap. And when you bring it to him, give thanks. That's a theological decision, by the way, that says God is bigger than me. He's wiser than me. He's more powerful than I am. And I'm thankful that, that I can get this out of my hands and leave it in his. And to the extent that you do that, you will have peace. Let me tell you that worry is about pieces. A piece of my mind is consumed with a problem. A piece of my heart is concerned with that fear. A piece of my mind is focused on that situation that's out of my hands. A piece of my heart is nervous about what might happen if. Worry is about pieces of my heart and my mind attached to different things over which I have no responsibility or control. Worry is about pieces. Prayer is about peace. So see how peace is attached to prayer. That's what Paul teaches us here. Uh, look what God promises to do for you. He says, once you do this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So God's peace will come to you in a way that defies description. You can't explain it. God's peace will free you from an anxiety in a way that surpasses what you can understand. And it will, in fact, guard you. I'm fascinated that Paul used the word guard here. It means to be protected by military watch. And at the very moment he wrote these words, Paul was surrounded by guards. As a prisoner, there were sentries who limited his movements, who restricted his visitors. Paul's not going anywhere. And no one was getting to Paul without dealing with the guards first. And he uses that image to talk about what happens, what God does for us. When you bring all your concerns to God with thanksgiving, his peace becomes the guard of your heart, that is your emotions. And the guard of your mind, that is your thoughts. So, so let me give you a little bit of an image of, of God's peace in this way. You might remember what happened at the Oregon Zoo several years ago. A toddler named Jack stood in front of the lion's cage, and the lion tried to eat him. You can kind of make that out here. It didn't help that Jack was dressed in black and white stripes, and his mother said he looks like a tasty baby zebra. But no matter how much the lion pawed or lunged at this little guy, Jack was never frightened. In fact, he barely noticed. The thick, protective glass kept him safe. When you release your worries to God in prayer, his peace is like that. You can see the lion, you can hear him roar, watch him drool, but you're on the other side of the glass. God's peace in Christ is the protective shield between you and your worries. Nothing gets to you that doesn't go through him. And the peace that's talked about here is not some mere feeling. It's far more robust and protective than that. The peace of God in Christ is the, is the salvation and power and victory that God offers. Let's just think about that quickly. The peace of God in Christ is, first of all, the peace of salvation. Romans 5.1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Every human born into this world is born as an enemy of God. Our natural rebellion against God is evidenced by our sinful thoughts and actions. We don't have to teach a baby to have wrong thoughts or actions. That happens. 
We're natural born sinners. Through Jesus, God made the only solution for our sin. By his death and resurrection, Jesus paid sin's penalty and satisfied God's justice for all who believe. Through Christ, we have peace with God. And those who were enemies become children of the King of Kings. The peace of God in Christ is the peace of power. Hebrews 13, 20 says, The God of peace brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. See, the resurrection is the greatest display of God's power. When the peace of God guards your life, that means you're protected by his mighty, death-defying power. It's also the peace of victory. Romans 16, 20, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Ultimate victory is on the way. No matter how far our world might seem from peace and justice, certain victory is coming. The battle's already won. The God of peace will triumph. And so this is the peace that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And worry means I've allowed a person, a problem, or a situation to become bigger than God. And whether that issue is real or imagined, improbable or possible, immediate or future, we've let that person, that problem, that situation eclipse the character of God. We've allowed something real or imagined to block our view of God's promises. So because worry is a theological problem, the solution to worry is also theological. Don't worry. Turn over all your requests to God with thanksgiving, and his peace will guard you in Christ Jesus. And here's another well-known scripture that tells us how to access that peace. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That word for anxiety is the same one we've been talking about from, from Philippians 4. All those things that are fragmenting your mind, you could probably think of them right now. Uh, all those things that are dividing your heart, give them to God. He cares about everything you're going through, whatever it is, big or small. The great theologian Martin Luther is credited with saying, pray and let God worry. Pray and let God worry. This is what you can and must do if you belong to Jesus. It's the only way to experience peace instead of pieces. So I vividly remember as a little boy, and I, my, I'm, I'm the oldest, my brother is three years younger, and he was there. So I could have been five. Vividly remember my dad doing a magic trick. Now, he'd never done one before. He never did one after, but he showed us a magic trick. My little mind was blown. He took a sheet of newspaper and began to tear it into pieces until it was just a little square, stuffed that square in his hand, and then when he pulled it out again, he unfolded that sheet of newspaper all in one piece. I was amazed. Now, he wouldn't tell us how he did it, but I confess to you that for years after that, I would sit in school or Sunday school and I'd get a piece of paper <laughs> and I'd tear it into little pieces and I'd stuff it into my hand and I'd slowly open it and it would just still be pieces. I was so hopeful. I I've never forgotten that. And last week I decided to look on YouTube about how that happens. <laughs> It's really not that hard. <laughs> Worry is about pieces. Prayer is about peace. Anyone can make pieces. 
anyone. And we all do it. Pieces of our heart and mind in the wrong direction. Only God can take the pieces and make them whole. Only God can take what is fragmenting our hearts and minds and put them together again and guard us in Christ Jesus. So what's dividing your mind? How many things are you focused on that are not your responsibility or are out of your control? That's worry. Instead, bring everything to God. All those pieces. Thank him for what he will do. And the peace of God will be the lion-proof shield between you and your worry. Let's pray. And Lord, now for all of those who follow Jesus, this is my prayer. That may you, the God of peace, give us hope. Keep us happy and full of peace as we trust in him. And now may you overflow with that hope in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.